So today is a Salaha Puja and in this Dhamma talk given on a Salaha Puja towards the beginning of the Vasa, we see that lay people will come and offer candles, light and incense and that this is a symbol of the entering of the traditional three-month rains retreat, the Vasa. People will give light in hopes that they will receive light in their life, the light of Dhamma and wisdom, which is of utmost importance. The Buddha said that there's no light as bright as that of wisdom for this reason. And so by giving and offering candles and incense, we symbolically make the determination to also cultivate life in our life, the light of wisdom and right view. Such wisdom sees clearly the drawbacks of samsara, of cyclic existence. And it is the wisdom that illuminates the truth of our existence and purpose. There are different sorts of wisdom. Frequently when speak, people speak of wisdom, they're speaking of the wisdom of learning, the worldly wisdom of various subjects and professions. This is important in terms of finding a profession and a way of supporting ourselves and those dependent on us. But it is an entirely different thing than the wisdom of Dhamma. The wisdom of Dhamma is the wisdom that the Buddha looked for, what he searched for. And he found it after great austerities and searching because he had cultivated the conditions in previous existences and lives. This foundation of spiritual perfection allowed him to see clearly with the light of wisdom, with the stomach panya, the nature of reality and achieve an unparalleled enlightenment. The bliss of this enlightenment was so great that he remained under the Bodhi tree in Bodhgaya for 49 days in different postures, simply enjoying the bliss of liberation. After having spent 49 days in this way, his great compassion moved him to contemplate who he could give this teaching to. Immediately his mind went to his former teachers, Alara Kalama and Udaka Ramaputta, who had taught him different formless attainments, the state of nothingness and the state of uh, neither perception nor non-perception. He each had thought that the state they taught and had attained was the ultimate goal 
But the Buddha, upon achieving true awakening, realized uh, Niroda, Niroda Sampati, uh, attainment that only enlightened beings can achieve and which is much greater, much more sublime than any of the formless attainments taught by these two teachers. However, he perceived that both had passed and so could not be taught and so turned his intention and his mind towards the five ascetics who he had formerly practiced with, but who had left once they saw that he had begun to take small amounts of food. His great compassion moved him to follow them approximately 230 kilometers on foot to Isipitane in Benares where he hoped to te teach them what he had learned. He found them and though both had all had agreed with one another to not show respect for him when he approached, seeing as all of them believed that he had given up the true path, they could not help themselves from reacting to his demeanor of calm and radiance. And one received his bowl, another set out a seat for him, and so on. Together they could not resist but show respect for something they felt intuitively to be worthy of respect. They sat, though they did not expect much, seeing as they still believed the Buddha to had, have lost the path. However, he began to teach, and Anya Kondanya, upon hearing his teaching, achieved the first stage of enlightenment, stream entry. Since Anya Kondanya had been a youth, he had heard that the Buddha, through a diviner, would be destined to become a wheel-turning monarch or a Buddha. And he, believing that the Buddha truly was destined to become uh, the Tathagata, had waited on him and followed and when the Buddha went forth from the home to the homeless life, he had followed this, him and this as well. His faith was great and his mind primed through concentration so that when he heard the teaching of the Buddha in the Dhammachakapavatana Sutta, the turning of the wheel of Dhamma, he realized that all things that are subject to arising are subject to ceasing. This realization was paramount to stream entry. The other ascetics did not have their indriyas, their five faculties developed to the same level and so were not able to realize the same thing that he did. This attainment of Sotapanna, of stream enterer, was extremely significant not only did it mean that Anya Kondanya would only have seven, at most, seven more lives before attaining full enlightenment, that he could not fall to the hell realms and the lower realms anymore, as these are essential aspects of a stream enterer, 
but it symbolized the arising of the Sangha in the world, the arising of the Buddha's disciples. He was the first. And so we separate this. We appreciate this day particularly because it can help us recollect the Buddha and his great teaching. Anya Kondanya saw that each of us has to leave the body behind upon our passing and that we cannot take it as a self, as me or mine. We can internalize this faith and teaching in our lives as well. Perhaps we have traveled far to arrive here at the monastery today in order to participate in this Asalahat Puja ceremony. When we travel in the car, we can keep our mind constantly with our parikama, our meditation object of Budo. And in doing so, we are worshiping the Buddha constantly. We are near him and near that quality of knowing which the word represents. It is said that there is no gift in the world like that of Dhamma, no flavor or scent like that of Dhamma. And if we manage to keep our mindfulness and clear comprehension present and strong, then we are continuously close to the Dhamma. We dwell near it. If we allow the mind to run wild, however, we are creating kama of a different kind. This kama of the mind chasing after the defilements of greed, hatred, and delusion can lead one down to lower rebirths and to hell. There's the story of a monk in the Buddha's time who became attached to his jiwan, his robe. And because of his attachment, they say he was reborn as a louse in a robe. Similarly, as lay people, if we are attached, or if one is attached too much to, say, their house, one could be reborn even as a gecko. So we take refuge in the triple gem, the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. And in such a refuge, we find a degree of security. We continue to practice and recollect this triple gem, this refuge. And everywhere we go, because of this, we remain close to the Buddha. Although the Buddha, historical Buddha of Gotama, long ago passed, we can draw near what the Buddha truly is whenever we see the Dhamma. The Dhamma was a calico, timeless. And so even after the Parinibbana, the giving up of the body of the Buddha, we may still encounter and be near the Buddha. Whenever we practice, we draw near.
The fruits of the teachings are reliable and timeless. And whenever we practice in line with that teaching, then we experience the fruit of the teaching, a coolness and ease of heart. As we develop and strengthen this ease of heart, this brightness, we begin to get a sense for what the truly good heart feels like. And it begins to be easy to contrast this against the heart which is immersed in darkness and is deluded. We begin to see the distinction clearly. More and more we understand what it feels like to have a bright mind. So today, we bring brightness to our minds through giving the symbolic gift of light, of candles, of incense. And with each gift, we make the determination to bring forth life, light in our own lives, in our hearts, through the practice of Dhamma, to forgive one another, to follow the path of practice, to give up the kilesas continuously. The path in the kilesa, the defilements, are always at tension in us and we must choose consciously which to follow. If we are able to constantly turn towards the Dhamma, we can expect our wisdom to grow until the day when we perceive this body of ours, this form to be just made of elements, earth, water, fire, and air we perceive that it will decay. And such wisdom is of immense benefit. All things of the world decay. The Buddha's own body decayed, even the form of such a great being, that of his greatest disciples, Venerable Sariputta and Venerable Mahamogalana, also decayed. The bodies of the great teachers of Thailand, the Kruba Ajans, decayed. All of these things passed and faded. So what about us? We also cannot avoid such a dissolution, such separation and death. We must think then that the opportunity we have now is of immense value, unbelievably precious. And so by coming to the monastery, by making the heart bright, we are honoring this precious life. We are using it for benefit. We may externally have wealth, praise, and happiness in some degree in our worldly situation, but such Benefits are simply those of the world, and we must continue to look deeper for a more lasting happiness. There's nothing to do in this life but to develop this path through holding good sila or ethics, by giving, by practicing. The mind grows stronger and brighter we come to a point where we can see Dhamma, 
and enter the stream. Even as lay people, we are able to, one is able to encounter this level of enlightenment. So we understand that we still have a great deal of aversion and greed. We understand that we have to put forth effort to not fall into liking and disliking. But if we do this, then we know that we have found the path, that we are not wasting this precious rebirth. We keep mindfulness and do not get lost in the things of the world, understanding them as only temporary. All the trappings of our lives would disappear in a second if our breath, this thin thread of breath, disappeared. It's the support that keeps us alive and on which all these other things which we become fixated on depend. But really, they are precarious and dependent on nothing more than the next inhale and the next exhale. Knowing this, we are not careless. We put forth effort to build and cultivate goodness in our hearts. We brighten them through the practice of dana, sila, and bhavana, giving, morality, and meditation. If we do this, we can expect to grow in the dhamma, to pass on to heaven if we and when we die. And even now in this life, to have developed a heart worthy of a deva, of a heavenly being. Eventually, such practice issues into stream entry, the first vision of Dhamma. And knowing this, we continue to put forth effort. So, I, Longpore, encourages everyone here to put forth as much sincere effort in their practice as possible, and they will also find Nibbana. <laughs>